The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, Kevin Vong is here, Member of Parliament for Spadina, Fort York. Jason Agnew, News Talk 1010 personality. Toronto lawyer Kareem Assad is also here. And just before we start digging ourselves into these uh, topics, I do have to ask you, Jason Agnew, apparently you got your special advent calendar. It happened last night, John. My nephew showed up at my place. He's in his 20s, and there was a beer advent calendar for me. I'm so excited. Day one is today. Let's go. And you know what, John? Sometime between now and Christmas, uh, maybe we go out for lunch and I'll get you a beer. All right. That'd be very nice. How does it work, though? This can't be a full-size beer. Yeah, it's a full-size beer in this box. So there's 30 of them sitting there. And, you know, it's a beer a day. Okay. 31, I guess. Yeah. Let's go with the topics then. We had a by-election, and the Green Party has now doubled its representation in the House at Queen's Park. Uh, Kevin Vong, what are your thoughts on the Green Party? Is it ascendant? Well, I, I, I think a plurality of parties in, in any legislature, in this case Ontario, is a good thing. And so, you know, congratulations to to the Greens for for doubling their caucus. I know that makes it sound bigger than it really is, but I can tell you, as as an independent in in our federal house of commons, um, you know, one member can do a lot, and and so now they have two. Kareem Asad, what are your thoughts? I asked the newly elected MPP to tell me why the Greens are different from the Liberals and the NDP, and she made her pitch. I'm not sure you were listening to that portion of the show. I think um, I agree with uh, what Kevin says, that um, having multiple perspectives um, is a good thing. Um, And, you know, this is maybe a sign of momentum. Certainly, it seems that um, the people of Kitchener Centre, you know, previously had elected a new Democrat and now have uh, shifted to a Green. So there's a a leaning there and, and hopefully... Um, uh, she's able to represent her constituents well. Although, Jason, it could be an aberration because one of the reasons why this riding may have fallen out of love with the NDP is the previous MPP was elected and then quit rather quickly. Yeah, that could have very well been it. I mean, why do you want to go back to the well for the same party that you voted for and were then disappointed in that reputation? So it could be a one-off, but nonetheless, it could also be people leaning. If they're looking at NDP, maybe they don't like the leadership there and they decide to pull towards green. We'll see what happens when we get down the road and there is an actual eventual election. Ontario real estate law changes today. The thing that stands out most, I think, is that sellers can opt for open bidding. So you know, the example I give always comes from something that happened to me, which was there were five bidders on a house and they sent the bids back. And I said, well, what's the highest bid? And they said, we're not telling you, which I think is grotesquely unfair, even if it's probably good for the seller. Uh, Karima Sad, let me start with you on this one. It's only the seller who's going to opt for it. And so they probably never will. Yeah, uh, although it um, it depends, I suppose, on, on the market. And if um, there are sellers who do opt, then it makes their properties more attractive. I think without it, it it's sort of a price is right situation um, where, you know, you, you're you putting out your guess, um, but it's not actually tethered to anything. And yeah, that, that obviously can lead to unfairness. Although, Jason, if it was like the price is right, I'd love for there to be a buzzer and have them say, oh, you have overbid. That or <laughs> I want to bid a dollar. Does that get me anywhere? Um, 
You know, John, this is, I have been in this scenario myself. I have bought a home. I've only been on the buyer's end of this. I actually tried to move from one home to another at the worst time during the pandemic. So I went through a bidding war, actually lost twice. But it's it's ridiculous the way that it works now because you have absolutely no idea what's coming in, no idea who you're bidding against, how many people you're bidding against, what the numbers are. It's a terrible process. Having said that, though, being a homeowner now, I don't want it to change because I'm going to have to sell this place at some point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kevin Vong, you know, it's coincidental, but I find it interesting that a rule like this, a change comes into effect just as multiple bidders begin to fade. Yeah. And, you know, my own story is is Elizabeth and I, uh, we got married recently. So we and we want to start a family, but raising a family in a 570 square foot shoebox in the sky is not viable. So we were. We tried bidding on some homes and at one, I remember one where our agent told us that, yeah, I think you're at the top or near the top. And apparently we heard back and we were actually near the bottom, but we, but they wouldn't tell us how far down or anything like that. Ultimately we lost um, that, that bid, but I think anything that will add transparency and fairness to this process is a good thing. And I, and I hope that a lot of sellers actually option for, for open bidding. The CEO of Metrolinx promised he would give us regular updates on the Eglinton Crosstown, and so he did yesterday, and the update was nothing to report. Uh, Jason Agnew, it's exhausting. I mean, I guess I get it. He can't tell us. He can't promise us when this thing is going to open, but it's a very frustrating process. This threw me, John, because I could have sworn that they said this was going to be the Christmas present for 2024. I thought that there was a media release a long time ago that that's what they were ending. Uh, that that was the end date. That's what they were looking for in that season. But I, I guess not. Yeah, I think that was based on something that was leaked to Sabrina Nanji. And then that was turned into, uh, you know, because they said December or end of quarter. And so everybody said, oh, it'll be like a Christmas present. I mean, everybody knows I'm a bit of a a transit freak. So uh, Kevin Vong, at least they're running the trains out in the East End so we can admire them. I guess. But (laughs) let's be honest here. If this was in the private sector, uh, the leadership would have been fired by now. You know, and the amount of time that it's taken for them to not take this line uh, online so we can ride it. We could have built the Roman Colosseum. We could have built three CN Towers. Like, this is a joke, and taxpayers deserve better. Although Karima said it should be said that things went so badly in Ottawa, I guess nobody wants to rush anything here. Yes, um, the way that it rolled out in Ottawa and the constant service interruptions and you know, mechanical failures and the potential danger that that puts people in at times. Uh, Obviously, we don't want to see that repeat itself. Um, But, you know, where is the urgency? And uh, I think think it was Merritt Stiles um, who pointed out that the, you know, it's a a hefty salary uh, that um, that Vester is receiving. So, you know, it's how where are we getting a good ROI on this? I, I don't think so. And, it, you know, it's disappointing, obviously. Yeah. Although it's not like he can do like that famous photograph of Donald Trump yelling at the kid who's mowing the lawn in front of the White House. <laughs> you know, go go to um, the Eglinton Crosstown station and just start yelling at engineers and saying, hurry it up. No, but, you know, it uh, the people who, and particularly the businesses and the small businesses, 
um, who have been under siege during this construction. I would like to see something going to them. Um, because, you know, they are getting the short end of the stick for sure. It's perfect that we have an MP on the panel today because Althea Raj writes an account of um, a dispute that broke out at a hearing yeah, on, on Parliament Hill. And it was over language. I don't know, Kevin Vong, if you want to get into that aspect of it. But Althea is offering that these days, it seems people ask questions and they don't care about the answers because they just want to clip them looking all mean, asking a hard question. And they can put that on social media john i knew you're going to ask me about this uh so so the reality is it's the job of the opposition to hold the government to account and and whether or not you like how rachel thomas does it and it's clear that you know althea doesn't she was doing her job to try to get details from the minister on the hundred million dollar deal that the government had signed with google now it's common knowledge that a tactic that you use to disrupt the flow of questions and, and answers and clips is you if you're asked the question in one language in this case english you can answer in another language french so the winner out of this really are the liberals but the loser is canadians because we're all talking about this instead of unpacking the deal that was signed with google for a hundred million dollars Although it should be said, I mean, the per, the individual in question was answering in their first language, and she says she feels more comfortable speaking in French. And theoretically, MPs should either be bilingual or on an earphone. No, and that's fair, right? But you know, the, she she had the choice to to also then perhaps answer again in in English. You you see this with with other ministers. You see this with the leaders to be able to ensure that. Canadians, whether you speak English or French, can hear the answer um, from, in this case, a minister in, in the language that is that they're most comfortable with as well. Jason Agnew, I guess Kevin's right about uh, we're talking about the question, not the answer, because I was just thinking, I don't know what the answer to. Don't wait for the translation, sir. Answer the question at the U.N., yeah, um, you know what this reminds me of, John? Just, just basic communication. Whereas if you text me, I'm going to text you back. If you email me, I'm going to email you back. I'll use the same method and mode of communication. So why isn't that represented here, where if you ask in English, I'll respond in English and vice versa for French? Okay, Karima said maybe it's because I'm from Quebec, but I'm used to people switching back and forth and everybody understands everybody else. Yeah, I, I'm on your side on this one. Uh, I think that um, otherwise we would see uh, a very already there's um, a, a dominance of English um, in in the way that communication unfolds, and where something is your mother tongue, and especially if you're answering a question um, that is there's co- like it's complex and nuanced, or it's just for ease. Um, I. I understand that inclination uh, and uh, uh, as kevin pointed out uh, as a tactic to disrupt someone's potential soundbite grab that's effective as well um so i, I think the real issue is um the use of uh, trying to orchestrate these little scenarios that can then be uh, propagandized Thank you all very much. Good to have you today. Kevin Vong is an MP. Jason Agnew is back with the Trivia Show Sunday morning. And Karima Sad is a Toronto lawyer. Catch the Roundtable, Round 1 at 745, Round 2 at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.